Mm. Pentecost Sunday. It's pretty cool. Church, let me give you this word. I've got another word. I just could go all morning. It's just God spoke. God just said to me, be patient in the wait. The day of Pentecost is a time of, is that like a double negative right there? I said, oh, John, sorry. Do you want me to soften that down? No. Uh, day of Pentecost, amazing, is that Jesus speaks to 500, 501 people and says these words, remain here. Remain in Jerusalem until the Spirit of God comes upon you. We fast forward a little period of time and we have this great miracle of the Spirit of God pours out upon 120. For all the accountants, that math doesn't make sense. He speaks to 500, stay here. Fast forward a few days, there's 120. Where's the 380 gone? Like, where, where have they gone? Scholars would say there's somewhere between like nine to 11 days when Jesus said, stay here to the day of Pentecost being fulfilled. For us as a church, be patient in the wait. Is it whatever God has asked of you, spoken to you, wait it out well? Because 380, over three quarters of them, missed out on that promise of that day. They may have been filled at a later time, but imagine the experience of being in the upper room, waiting nine to 11 days in one room. It's like I could say here today, you know what, the Spirit of God is going to pour, fall out over us. And then day one, some of us would leave, day two, some, day five, some would leave, day seven, some would leave, day eight, day nine, whatever it is, there's 120 of us left. Would you be patient in the wait? And that's the end of those words. Let me go to the word I've been preparing in my heart. Uh, I have my, my daughter, my only daughter and my firstborn getting married in like less than five weeks. And, uh, and so some of what I am preaching today, I have penned uh, deliberately to speak to Jesse and Sophie in five weeks' time. And so this is like a message inside of my heart that's just bursting because I, I want to give them some great fatherly advice as I, I'm going to join, I'm going to, I'm going to actually marry my kid. Oh, not marry, that sounds really bizarre and strange. I'm going to be the celebrant at my child's <laughs> wedding, which is going to be so, so cool. I pronounce them husband and wife. That's almost creepy, but it's going to, we're going to do it. And, uh, and so I have the, some of the words in here that I just want to share. And a couple of weeks out from Faith, Love, Hope, I want to share around this subject. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 13, it's the, the love chapter. And it finishes on this verse, and it says this, And now these three remain. Everyone say remain. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Here here the writer is saying is that there are some things in our life that need to remain in our life. And then we flick over into 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, which where we, as our senior pastors, Pastor Mark and Lee, actually got the name for our offering weekend of faith, love and hope, is in the verse out of uh, 1 Corinthians, it says faith, hope and love, but this verse just uh, reverses some of the order of it and says this, we give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in our prayers, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labour of love and patience of hope, in our Lord Jesus Christ, in the sight of God and our Father. The title of my message this morning is What Remains? 
As we journey through life, I've found that some things are added to our lives and there are other things that are actually taken from our lives. Is I've also noticed is that we cannot build our lives on things which are temporal where we can't build our lives on the shifting sands of life. If we build our lives upon the shifting sands of life, is that everything in life then is, can be moved. And so when winds blow, is we can be moved. When the seas roar, we can be actually moved. And here, uh, Paul is saying to us, is that would you allow some things to actually remain in your life? Is that we must have some things that last the duration of our life. They're not temporal in nature. And he's specifically saying there's three things. There's, a, there's faith and there is a hope and a love, and would you allow these things to remain in your life? Uh, as we go through, I, I've lost lots of things, and maybe you're the same, lost lots of things. I, I, I have lost my hair colour since becoming a pastor. Uh, is that some of you, and I, I looked at my good friend Nick, you know, even this morning, is that you look up on top of Nick's head, and he's lost, he's lost some stuff on top of his head. You know? uh, I've lost my eyesight. I, obviously, I have lost my muscle tone. I don't know if that was ever there, but I've lost that. I, I've lost the ability to spring out of bed on a winter morning. I just lost that ability. I, I, I've, I've lost so many things. And at times, you may have lost your life, uh, lost, you know, lost your joy, not lost your life. If you come, has anyone lost their life and come back? That's awesome. I, you may have lost a joy, lost your peace, lost a relationship. We lose things in this journey. And this morning, you may have lost something. And I've got good news for you today, is that God, God is a restorer of those lost things. He can restore it, but I've found this, even though he, does, he may not restore, he can still bless what you and I have left because it's a remaining thing. And maybe here this morning you have lost finances over time. You, you have lost relationships. You have lost things. And people have discounted you because of that. And this morning I want to speak directly into your heart and say you, it's not over. It's not over because something remains. And if you can identify that remaining thing in your life and start to build a new level of faith and a new level of hope and a new level of love, it's going to be amazing to see what God is going to do. Don't let anything you lose destroy what you have left. I'm going to say that many times over the next 20 minutes together. Don't let anything you lose destroy what you have left. Is You can lose absolutely everything, but have remaining faith and hope and a love in your heart. And God says, that's all I need. That's all I need. I just need a little bit of that and see what I can do in and through your lives. You can lose everything, but don't lose the remaining things. Would you put a guard around about them? Would you protect them? Would you nurture them? Would you allow them to flourish inside of your life? As I look at Nadine in my life, and we have lost things over the years. I, I remember going to America you know, to help start a plan, a church with a friend. And, and over that season of 18 months, we lost $400,000. It was like we came back home with our tail between our legs, thinking, my gosh, this is all over. This morning, don't let what you lose destroy what you have left. And I have seen every part of my life shaken. I have seen times when my body has failed. But I can give you this guarantee over the past 39 years of knowing Jesus Christ, I have never lost my faith. I've never lost hope. I've never lost my love for God and love for humanity. I've got four fingers up there, one in the counting. Uh, don't lose it. Grab a hold of the remaining things that it's saying here in 1 Corinthians 13. Don't let go of a faith and a hope and a love that's inside of you. 
Because I found this, that our true strength lies in the invisible. Our strength never lies in the visible realm. Is that sons and daughters of God, God has placed His Spirit inside of us, and that is our true strength. I want to share a passage of Scripture out of, out of Judges, looking at the life of Samson. And Samson, if you know, he, 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 man, he had incredible strength around about him. And I think it's a great picture of what the church looks like when you and I look at the life of Samson. Judges 16 and verse 3, it says this, And Samson lay low till midnight, and then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gates of the city and the two gateposts, and pulled them up, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the hill that faces heaven. That, that's, that's strength right there. He just doesn't lift it up. He uh, takes it to the top of the tallest hill in the city. And the lords of the Philistines came to Delilah and said to her, entice him and find out where his great strength lies. I've recounted this story to my kids many times when they were young. I would pick up the kid's Bible and see this picture of Samson. His muscles, muscle on muscle and muscles on his lips and just muscles everywhere. But I, I don't get this picture from this passage of Scripture that that's what Samson looked like. Because you would never ask a person, well, where do you get your strength if he was muscle bound? If he looked like an Arnold Schwarzenegger, we would just automatically assume, well, he gets his strength because he's built this muscle capacity in his life. But I don't think Samson was this muscle bound individual because Delilah comes and asks him the question, where, where do you get your strength from? I think, uh, I think Samson looked a little bit like this. <laughs> 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 Where do you, yeah, don't do that. Uh, where do you get your strength from? I think that's a picture of you and I, the church. Oh, this gentleman, he's got muscles. He's got this T-shirt on in the middle of winter. He's got muscles. He's got muscles. Look at muscles there. Is it Mark? Or, do you see how he just flexed like that? That's like, nah. But Samson wasn't like that. He wasn't built like Mark. He was built like, he was built like Mike. Uh, <laughs> but that's you and I. Our, our true strength lies from the invisible, the Spirit of God that's inside of us. And the enemy will always come to at attack the things that we are attached to. And the greatest thing you and I are attached to is relationship with Jesus Christ. Man, let that be the greatest thing you're attached to. And the enemy will always come after things we're attached to because he wants to destroy our faith. Because if you can destroy our faith, we, lose, we come to a place of hopelessness. We come into a place of hopelessness and we eventually lose our love from the thing that we're attached to the most. This morning, would you allow your true strength to lie in the invisible, in those remaining things of faith, hope and love? And so this morning, I want to look at these three elements and then finish up on a passage of Scripture. First one I'll look at is faith. I love faith. Uh, I'm here because of faith and you're probably the same. You're here probably just because of faith. Is that faith has got us through so many things. Faith has got you through sickness and tough times. Is that faith has grounded your life and relationship with Jesus. Faith has put a protection around your kids. Is that some have battled those cancer cells and you're standing here because of your faith and the faith of others that joined with you. Is that Faith is evident from the youngest down in kids' church to the oldest in this congregation this morning. There is something about faith, and God has given to each of us a measure of faith. We are not faithless sons and daughters, but we have faith 
inside of us and faith always has the capacity to grow. And one of the great things that could remain in our life is faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please him. I need some faith to please me to God. Hebrews 11 and 1 says this, Now faith is the substance. It's tangible. The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. This morning, you may go through a tough time, but don't lose your faith. Is it, we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. Is it faith is the bridge between our current reality to where God and our hope see us to be. And so faith is this bridge that we journey across and into from a present reality into the thing that we're actually believing for and hoping for. Is that faith is more than a feeling. I, I love feelings, but I can't allow my faith to be dictated by my feelings or i actually on a roller coaster of faith. No, no, I, I don't want to be a roller coaster of faith based upon a feeling. Is a, Also, that faith is not a formula. Yeah. If you break faith down to a formula, it's no faith at all. Right. It, is that faith is not just stepping out of the boat. Is that faith is journeying through your current situation. Is there so many, many different uh, dimensions of faith? And this morning, would you allow faith to remain inside of your heart? Luke 22 and verse 31, it comes to a time where, where Peter is going to deny his best friend Jesus. And we find this passage of scripture in verse 31 of Luke 22. And it says this, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you they, that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brother. What an amazing passage as Satan actually comes and says, Peter, I'm going to sift your life like wheat. I'm going to put you in a position you have never experienced before. And I find it remarkable the response to Jesus is that Jesus prays, not that Peter would get out of this situation, but he prays specifically for Peter and says, Peter, I know what you're going to go through, but I am praying that your faith remains intact. Hey, this morning church, it may have been as though your life has been sifted like wheat. Is it, things have been pulled apart and separated and you have no reason for it and you may be blaming God for that today and God can stop all those things. But I, I believe today the greatest prayer that Jesus can pray over us is, I'm praying that you're going to get through this son, you're going to get through this daughter and your faith is going to remain intact. And then amazing, he goes on and Jesus knows everything, eh? He says to Peter, Peter, when you return to me, it's not an if, not a doubt. Jesus has this great confidence in us. As he said, when you return to me, Peter, he says, I want you to go and strengthen your brethren. Like, and the rooster crows a third time. And Peter's just denied his best friend. I'm sure he hung on to those words, is that Jesus is praying for my faith. He's praying, he's praying for my faith. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. He's up in He's championing your faith inside of you. 
I'm not saying he's a God that just gives permission to the enemy to have free reign. It's the world in which we live. It's a fallen world. But he's there praying on our behalf, saying, don't lose your faith, church. Don't lose your faith. Don't let, don't let whatever you lose <laughs> diminish or destroy what you have left. Would you allow faith to remain inside of your heart today? We flip over to hope. I love hope. But we live in a world that's full of hopelessness. And hopelessness will always lead to a, a fear and anxiety, a depression. Proverbs 12 and 25 this, says this, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. <clears throat> but a good word makes it glad. I, I wish our, our medical teams across the world could read that passage of scripture. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. Is that when we lose hope, Fear and anxiety grip humanity's life. And here, Peter deli Paul deliberately says, hey, hey let, your, let your hope remain. Yeah. It's so difficult to separate faith and hope because faith is built upon a hope there. They're, they're so linked together. This morning, what are you actually hoping for? What, where does your hope lie this morning? Is it, is it hope is an optimism? It's an expectation that my tomorrows are going to look better than today. It's not just waking up tomorrow morning and saying, well, I'm going to have a great day. No, that's a little bit of hope, but it's something. It's this optimism. There's a great expectation in your heart that says, man, tomorrow's days are going to look so much better than today is going to look. And that hope in our heart generates and inspires faith inside of us and faith that God moves on our behalf. And so would you allow hope to... Well up inside of you, I, I know these packs are available this morning, as Pastor Sam said, and I, I love some of the contents of it. I, I love the prayer request and the praise report that's on the back there. Because, the, the, oh, man, as I'm writing on it, and I've got items right now that are on my list, is that they're, that they're my hope lists. And, and I think, you know, I, I would encourage you to, to fill, it, fill it up. Is don't, don't run dry after three hopes. Is that we've got a lot more hopes in our hearts than that. And I find at times we, we don't spend the time just to reconsider or even to consider the hope that's in our heart. Because if we don't have a hope, we can't have the faith attached to that believing. And so as you consider this over the next couple of weeks, I pray that you would start to write down your hopes. And not just a hope, it's a hope that would generate faith inside of your heart. And where faith is, God can move in that situation. Is that I remember years ago, uh, God speaking to me directly. And you know, you know some of those words that God speaks is like, oh my gosh, I better listen to this. And he said these words to me. He said, Mike, I, you pray for everybody else. You pray for everyone's needs, but you don't pray for yourself. And he said, I have so, my, so many things waiting for you in, in heaven, in glory right now, that I want to release to you, but I can't release to you because you never ask. And so I had this thing inside of me as I, I could ask for everybody else and everybody else's needs were more important than my needs. And that, that may seem noble. There's probably a bit of pride in that as well. But God said, hey, would you start to ask for yourself? And after that moment, I started to ask and amazing things happened. Like I started to receive the things I was asking for. Because like, the word of God says this, we have not because we ask not. And sometimes pride just gets in the way. 
I don't need to go to God. God knows everything. Yeah, he knows everything, but he needs you and I to ask in order to give it to us. And so here, this prayer, this, this prayer uh, the boards on the back of the wall there is like, man, start writing your hopes up there, the biggest of hope that's inside of your heart. Because when you and I put ourselves in the position of an asker, <laughs> God will always give us more than what we ask for. Solomon, oh. Solomon, what do you want? What do you want? Hope wise, oh man, I just need wisdom. I need a wisdom, God. And that verse goes on, well, because you've asked for wisdom, I'm going to give you this, I'm going to give you wealth, I'm going to give you a wife, I'm going to give you all these things. Is that when you and I put ourselves in the position of an asker, it's amazing how God just opens up the windows of favor. Hebrews 6 and verse 19 says this, this hope, this optimism, this expectation, this desire that's going to lead to faith, this hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. It describes hope here as an anchor. And I don't find it a coincidence that our, our, our logo, our emblem for faith, love, hope is an anchor. Is that This hope that we have inside of our hearts is an anchor to our souls. Is that if you consider a boat, a vessel that's out in the ocean and they drop an anchor, is an anchor, it only drops in the ocean so it stops that vessel from drifting. And here it's saying that hope is an anchor to our soul. It is sure. It is steadfast around about us. And so when we have hope in our heart, it's like an anchor that's attached to our soul. Is that when the anchor of our life goes down, it, it says to us that we may drift, but I can only drift so far is that when that anchor touches the ground and gets something uh, sure, foundation there, is that we can drift in life, but we're going to only drift so far. And that's the great thing about hope. It's okay to drift. I'm just not going to drift out of relationship with Jesus Christ because my soul is attached to an anchor of hope in Him. Would you reattach your anchor today and allow hope to just generate in your heart? It is okay to drift put a vessel in the ocean and the natural tides and currents would cause it to drift. The same thing in life, there's a drift in life. And I found this about my life, and might be the same of yours, is that my life never just drifts in the direction of Jesus. I have a tendency to drift away from that important relationship, but hope is the anchor it says, I can drift a little, but I'm not going to drift and lose contact with my Savior. Would you allow hope to remain in your heart? Then love. Hmm. 1 Corinthians 13 says this about love. Love never gives up. Love cares for others more than for self. Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. Love doesn't have a swelled head. It doesn't force itself upon others. It isn't always me first. It doesn't fly off the handle. It doesn't keep score of the sins of others. It doesn't revel when others grovel. Love takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. It puts up with anything. It trusts God always. It never looks, but always looks for the best. It never looks back. It keeps going to the end. Love never dies. The remaining things in life is what... What are the things that are going to last the duration of your life? And here the writer is saying is that if we don't have love, we don't have anything. Hmm. Is that men 
look at the deeds, but God always looks at the motives, motives of love. But without love, everything passes away. With love, everything remains. There's something so powerful about love. This morning, I, I, I want to let you know God loves you. God loves you. I remember. Remember a time, 1997 it was. 21 years ago. I just started working for a church. I was a couple of weeks into it. Some things had happened which were just totally unexpected. I was like, God, what have I, what have I done? I've just left a great career in business. What has happened? And I remember driving home from work. It was a Wednesday evening. I was on Mudrabar Road. Mudrabar, I know the spot. And it was like I heard the voice of God. Like, it was like the audible voice of God. And he just said these words. He said, Mike, I love you. I, I pulled off on the side of the road and just wept and wept and wept and wept. In a time where I thought, man, I've made such a wrong decision. Like, where are you in all of this mess, God? And he would take the time to say to me on my way home, Mike, I love you. That's remained with me. Remains with me today. It's got me through so many things and challenges just to know that God loves me. And he loves you this morning. He doesn't love me more because I hold a microphone. He loves us equally the same. And I have all these reasons why I love God. But God loves you and I in spite of all those reasons. He loves you. As we look at the remaining things in life, would you allow faith, would you allow a hope, would you allow a love to remain in your life. I found that love's the hardest to hold on to because love's the most vulnerable. Yeah. It hurts. Yeah. It's painful. It's the hardest to hold on to. But would you hold on to it because it makes everything different. Love changes everything. I've lost a lot of things. I've gained a lot of things. But my prayer is for my life that I want these three things to remain. A faith, a hope, and a love. I want to finish on just one last thought. You may have lost some things in life. But I want to let you know this morning is that God doesn't need anything you have lost to bless you. He'll always bless you with what remains. You may have lost a great deal, but God doesn't need those things back to bless you. We just have to have a look and see what is actually in our hands at this moment. And we may see it as minimal, as a couple of fish and a few loaves. We, we, we may see it as minimal as that, as what on earth would a lunchbox for one 
do with this great multitude on the mountain that day. We may look at gifts and talents. We may look at things that have been taken from us and think how on earth could God bless us. But this morning is that God can bless us with what remains in our life. God can bless us if everything goes and you have a faith in your heart, you have a hope in your heart, you have a love for others and a love for him this morning. I want to read last finish on this one last passage of scripture, 1 Kings 17 and verse 9. Speaking to a prophet, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. Don't let anything you lose destroy what you have left. This lady is a widow. She has lost she has lost the love of her life. She has lost finances. She's lost companionship. She's lost so much. But don't let anything you lose destroy what you actually have left. And so he arose and went to Zarephath and he came to the gate of the city. And indeed a, di- a woman, a widow, was gathering sticks and he called to her and said, please bring me a little cup of water that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me also a morsel of bread in your hand. It's almost so rude of this prophet of the day, the, va- the mouthpiece of God to come into a, into a land and then come to a city and sees a widow there and calls out to her. He's probably not knowing of her full situation, or maybe he does, and says, would you please get me a cup of water? And as she was going to get that, he now just calls out another request, and oh, while you go, could you also bring me a morsel of bread? Can you bring me back some bread for me to eat? And she says this reply, such an honest reply. She says, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. She's looking at the things which she has lost. She's looking in her pantry and she's taking inventory and she says, I have no bread in order to give you man of God. And she goes further on and looks a little bit further into the pantry and she says, but I I do have a handful of flour in a bin and I have a little uh, oil in a jar. Hmm. I find it remarkable that many times we look and we're wanting the finished product But God has placed inside of our hands the ingredients to make the finished products. But humanity, we just always, I don't have it because I don't have the finished product. But if you have a look and see what you have, is you'll always have the ingredient that God needs for the finished products. Would you dare to believe the little bit of oil you may have in a jar and a little bit of flour you may have in a bin is enough for God to use? We're giving the ingredients. He'll give us a finished product. I'm sure the man of God's heart's rejoicing right now. He's thinking, that's all you need. That's all you need. It's all you need. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Come on, don't lose hope. Go and do as I've said, but make me a small cake from it first. There is something about doing first things for God. Make the first things the first things. Don't give God your second things. Give him your first things. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God. Lady, would you give me the first taste of this? Would you, man, don't get the first and second things mixed up. Give God the first. Give him the first. Give him the first. Bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel. The bin of flour should not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain. On the earth. Don't let anything you lose destroy what you have left. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word this morning. It's not my word. 
It's a word for my kids. It's a word for the church. That even things may be taken from us, we have a resolve in our heart that you can do miracles with what remains. And Father, I sense in this place today that ones have lost things of great value and you are a restorer. But God, even if you don't restore, I pray that the important things would remain in our lives. You know, this morning as we're in a time of prayer, I don't know everyone here this morning. I don't know your relationship with Jesus Christ, but you know that. You know where you're positioned with him. And some may be here in church for the very first time, never heard a message like that. It's awesome you're in church. Or maybe you've been coming to church for a long time, but the direction of your relationship with Jesus seems to have gone stagnant or even some backward steps taking place. And this morning might be a time where you just need to re-engage, just connect with Jesus again, because he loves you. He loves you. He's deposited greatness inside of you. And this morning, he may be calling you back to say, hey, come back into relationship. Come into that place of, of love and union with me. And it would be my honor as a, to be able to pray for you this morning if you want to give your life to Jesus Christ for the very first time or this morning to come back and say, hey, I need to reconnect with him. Your heart would open up and just receive the grace and the goodness and the love of God. And so I look, as I look across this morning, just to identify who I'm going to pray with, I'd love you to slip up your hand if you like that today. Say, Mike, would you please pray for me? I, I need Jesus. I need him so much in my life. I thank you so much for that hand. I appreciate that this morning. Is there others saying, I just need, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. He's a restorer. He's a, he's a love of your life. Thank you so much, ma'am. That's a great, great decision today. Is there anyone else today that I could pray for? I'm not here to manipulate. I'm just here to give room for the Spirit of God. So look one last time. Who needs Jesus today? Thank you so much for that hand. I appreciate that.